Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian and Jason, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Let's get started. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Jason. How are you? I'm peachy keen. Excellent. Lovely Friday. It is Friday. Thank God. It's been a hell of a week. <laughs> that it has. That it has. Not up and down here. Speaking of just silly stuff that we do, because we're grumpy old geeks, uh, as I was typing that, I saw a, a, a little notification come up on Facebook, because uh, I follow God, and he said, uh, I don't, thank you so much for everybody. I don't know why everybody thanks me on these days. I don't really do anything. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, there's a really good Twitter account. I think it's Voice of God. He's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, he, he outed himself as a writer, so now I know who it is, so it's not as funny. Right. It was better when it was just an anonymous God account. Yes, that, that was good. I actually follow that account, and it was really good when uh, Voice, of, Voice of God's wife also joined Twitter. And was <laughs> I, know, I haven't seen that. That was very funny. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. Okay. Stop messing around with those two-legged people and get back to work. <laughs> uh, so we got a little follow-up mm-hmm. from, from the world of Facebook, which you always like to <laughs> – bring up i'm well, just you know everybody is on it jason yeah well <laughs> increasingly less increasingly less i have not noticed that i have lots of it's been very quiet hmm. i only check it like maybe once a day or every other day right but it, it's, i'm getting to the point where i'm almost ready to leave I'm, i've got most of my accounts migrated off of it again that i used the thing huh well i <laughs> i there's nothing there it's right. not that it's just boring now there's nobody's posting anything so <laughs> But uh, you found something on the Huffington Post, and damn you for linking to a Huffington Post article. I know. I, I really don't like to do it, and I tried to see if this article had appeared anywhere else. And I'm sure there are breakdowns like this. But this is quite a good breakdown of, of the actual terms of service of Facebook that none of us have ever read. Uh, it specifically brings out a lot of really good points about uh, how basically Facebook has the right to do whatever they want with us whenever they want. And they can mess around with us in any way, shape, or form that they like. And basically, it's this is free. So screw you, and we're going to make money off you. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the one that was interesting is how they use uh, other partners mm-hmm. to to match up your data to get more info on <clears throat> excuse me on what you're doing. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a good read if you don't already know that they can take everything that you have and do what they want to with it anyway. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it's not just what you do on Facebook; it's what you do basically anywhere that they're able to track, which is almost everything these days. So anytime you are online and you are signed into your Facebook account, even if you're not signed in, if you sign in later and you still have all those active cookies and whatnot from everywhere else that you've been, Facebook grabs all that information, stores it somewhere. Yep, and now they're going to be using that data to sell you stuff because now they're including a buy button on some crap. So. I am uh, shocked it took them that long. Honestly, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> uh, it, it's a kind of a no-brainer for them. It's definitely an easy way for them to make money. If nothing else, I you know associate links with uh, – well, of course, they're not going to make a deal with Amazon because they see them as direct competitors. But um, yeah, so Facebook stores, not shocking at all. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that's shocking is it took them so damn long. Yeah. Well, they messed around with that uh, little gift thing for a while that never took off. Like you could, you know, that somebody's birthday would pop up and it would like send them a gift or whatever. And that was just kind of stupid. But this will this will be full fledged. I'm not uh, I'm expecting it very soon. I the issues, I suppose, would come in with with advertising to outside retailers and things like that. So you would. As an outside retailer, you would get upset if you were running Facebook ads uh, and paying for them and then found out that Facebook was selling a competing product directly. So, Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of pitfalls that they're going to have to avoid. Yeah. But 
that just means you're going to, besides giving them all of your info so far, then you're going to give them your credit card as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, pass on that one. Yeah, pass. So uh, kind of related, I guess, because uh, I think what we're starting to see is, is a recurring theme of, of not just Facebook burnout, but kind of Internet burnout in general and certainly tech burnout. Uh, there was a really nice article in The Guardian, which is a, a good, fun little uh, online paper to read by J.R. Hennessy. Um, the tech utopia nobody wants. Why the wor- world nerds are creating will be awful. And it's fun. It's it's nothing new in there. I mean, they're definitely just, you know, they're talking about Google Glass and the incidents that have occurred there and uh, Soylent, the high-nutrient sludge. And he's talking about this uh, kind of strange world that uh, – a very small segment in society up in Silicon Valley, which is incredibly powerful, is certainly pushing to to kind of achieve. And uh, I want no part of it as well. Well, honestly, this comes from like two tweets from somebody you've never heard of. It's like, <laughs> oh, why don't we do, why don't we give people on welfare soylent instead of food stamps? It's yes. like eh, some of the that, genius ideas the- that come out of Silicon Valley when these these incredibly rich mid twenty year olds uh, have bright ideas. Yeah, because they've never been out in the real world. You exactly. Know? <laughs> so yeah, no, <laughs> it was it was interesting, but yeah, I didn't. It felt more like link bait to me. Yeah, because well, it, it was know. just a little a little thingy. So. Well, you gotta. I mean, again, this is this is for us who are embedded in this news all the time. This is this is no big deal. But if you're say my parents or anybody that isn't on tech and online all day long, this is kind of a a good wrap up, as it were, <laughs> of the situation at the moment. So uh, OSX Yosemite has the the beta programs finally out. A lot of people on my Twitter feed were installing it yesterday. Much to, uh, I, I'm just waiting for the the support questions to come in because I already told them I'm like, don't do it, don't do it. If it's your I'm, if it's your I'm main still, computer, don't do it. I'm still surprised you didn't leave in. If I had a spare computer, I would. Mm-hmm. It, but I, and I did. I remember I did it on my iMac, and then the problem was, well, it ran like crap, and half my stuff didn't work. So. I uninstalled it, which was a major hassle. Fortunately, yeah. I had a carbon clone copy, whatever it was, uh, CCC backup. But it was unfortunately from January because I forgot to run it right before I did the install like an idiot. Yeah. So my I had like a six-month-old clone of my iMac, so I lost a bunch of stuff. But that was backed up elsewhere. Anyway, it's <laughs> always, you know, it, if it's your main computer, just don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, I agree completely. I am looking forward to the final release, but uh, I'm I'm not going to mess around about this anymore. So no. So we talk about the smart home a lot, mm-hmm. and this cool this cool little company called Little Bits who yeah. make the, these little plug and play gadgets where you can kind of you know do home electronicy stuff. They've got a new one out that's called the Cloud Bit, yeah. and you can you can use that now to kind of build your own home automation stuff, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I hate the name. Little bits? No, cloud bit. I, just every, everything has to be cloud now, and it's so annoying. And technically, yeah, it's not really anything about a cloud. It's this is something to use to control through Wi-Fi in your in your own home. But okay. Yeah, it could have been just the Wi-Fi bit. Yeah, Wi-Fi bit. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Fitbit is uh, on these guys for trademark infringement. Could but be. apparently, you'll be able to buy this stuff at Radio Shack pretty soon. And I'm just like, there what are Radio, Radio Shack? Shacks? <laughs> Uh, no, it looks it looks pretty neat. I mean, I am not this DIY. Like, I don't want to build a box to put it into that makes it look cool and all that sort of. I am perfectly happy to wait until Apple or somebody else comes along and and makes this all very simple and very nice looking for me already. But if you are a super handy Radio Shacky guy who likes to make your own circuit boards and stuff like that, um, sure, go for it. This seems pretty cool. I, I if it's really good, if they'll get bought out by somebody shortly. 
Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. But there are a lot of these new little hardware manufacturers coming mm-hmm. out of the woodwork now because it's so easy to, you know, have these things pr- like your own circuit boards printed and all this stuff. So yeah. I, I like how this is going. I'm going to try it over the winter because winter is coming, unfortunately. I hate to even <laughs> say that. We're only I need- halfway through summer here, people. Let, let's, well, let's relax. Still. <laughs> it is coming, I'm, though. <laughs> yeah, when I see the fall lineup for TV starting to get promoted, I'm starting to get twitchy and nervous. I'm like, no more snow, no more snow. I can't do this again. <laughs> but I need to find some kind of hobby that doesn't revolve around broken bones this winter. So I'm thinking about uh, getting into the hardware hacking side of things. Now, let me ask a quick question because I see this all over the internet and I've never really looked into it. Is this what the Raspberry Pi basically is? Um, Raspberry Pi was, it was, I can't even remember now. It was a, it was a controller board, but I think it was more of like a, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to say what it is because I can't remember. All right. We're going to, I'm going to do some follow up on this because it pops up all the time. And I know it's, it's definitely like, it's one of those things that super techie geeky guys get into. And it's a controller board that you can do anything with. Therefore, what the hell are people doing with it? Because usually anytime you can do anything with somebody, something, you never do anything with it. So we'll see. <laughs> I got to look into it because I, I know it's all over news feeds all the time. And I've always been curious. But then I was like, well, what am I going to do with this thing? So. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm seeing an article now that compares it, compares it to Arduino and uh, BeagleBone Black, which I don't even I've never even heard of that one. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing, it's, yeah, it's a controller board. OK, of, well, of maybe, maybe we'll pick up. We'll both do a little geeky uh, winter project. Yeah, it's a, it's a microcontroller board. Okay. So, yeah, that's what it was. It was pretty cheap, too. It was like 35 bucks. Yeah, I mean... That uh, was the big thing about it. Lifehacker and Engadget are in love with this damn thing because it's just all over, but I just don't even know what you do with it. I guess we'll figure it out. Yeah, my friend uh, Trent Hamilton got into hacking Arduino stuff not too long ago, and I know a ton of people that are into it. It's... Uh, like Tara and Sean, Sean will be on shortly. Uh, they do stuff at their maker spaces in LA mm-hmm. that, that revolve around Arduino. So it's just something that looks like it's fun. Actually, <laughs> I might, <laughs> might get into it. I need something to whittle away the hours. that's not typing. Right. You know, <laughs> cause winter is coming sadly. Mm-hmm. So man, this week was just a hell week. Cause I was working with, uh, one of my clients to integrate recurly. Have you ever heard, have you heard of those guys? I have not. It's basically a front end for doing subscription packages and billing. Okay. Uh, it sits on top of your merchant account, and you run your transactions through it. And then, like every month, they have you know they've got a an API which is utterly undocumented, almost <laughs> shocking. Yeah, it was terrible. And, and they're uh, trusted the tech- by thousands of companies, Jason. I don't know what the hell's going on there. They just released their like 3.0 version of their JavaScript library. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, because their 2.0 version looked pretty rad. Their 3.0 version does fuck all. It is terrible. The documentation's terrible. Their support took hours and hours between replies. It's been over a week and a half trying to get a simple form to submit and start a subscription. It is one of the worst companies I've ever had to work with. And I've done tons of like e-commerce and merchant integrations. This yeah. is the worst one in the past 10 years, honestly, e-commerce hands down. E-commerce and merchant integration is one of the nastiest things that you can ever possibly try to deal with. Um, and I keep wishing that there would be a great solution out there. And it's, uh, even though their, their front page says, an advanced recurring billing platform with no training necessary, I'm assuming this is not the one then. Uh, yeah, they, they're liars, liars, liars. Stripe, I mean, and here's the funny part. This sits on top of Stripe right now. We're, mm-hmm. we're running the transactions through Stripe, and unfortunately, eventually, we'll switch it to PayPal, uh, PayFlow Pro. Right. But 
I mean, Stripe does almost all this anyway, so this was an executive decision that I had to abide by. But um, Stripe, so far, every every time I've had to do an integration with Stripe, it's been flawless and painless, hmm. which is you know unheard of. Yeah, but, pretty much. But man, Recurly is just a shit show, and I, I I let them know. I told them flat out, you know, to support, and I'm like, look, you guys have to fix your documentation. You cannot have an API with no documentation whatsoever. No, especially it, if it's not transactional. That's ridiculous. I mean, I, I had literally had to go through like almost every line of their uh, PHP API library just to figure out what needed to happen because the, they do have documentation for the API, but it, there's no useful examples. It was just terrible. Mm-hmm. So avoid them like the plague until they fix their shit. Will do. So the other thing I've noticed is um, I talk about the private internet access proxy yeah. that I use. An interesting thing has come up that I've noticed. Some sites will completely block me. Because people have used the proxy to basically troll them. Yeah. Like the Hollywood Reporter. I cannot get to the Hollywood Reporter now. I have to turn it off and go through my, my regular channels just to get to the Hollywood Reporter because they completely uh, banned the IP. Yeah. And, and I think they banned the whole block because I, I went through I think like 10 of these different things. I even tried like connecting in Romania and it still booted <laughs> me out. So. That's very the, I mean that's uh, the unfortunate aspect of, about you know using that kind of stuff and – of the internet in general. I mean, I remember uh, one of my clients was having an issue with their servers, and because the, they were basically getting trolled and and uh, getting you know denial of service attacks, and they basically just said, "Fuck it, we're shutting off all of China." <laughs> to hell <That's>, with them. <laughs> it happens, man. Yeah. Sometimes it's just easier to lose the customer than to deal with a headache. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Good, good times well, on the net. Indeed. Comment of the week. We have a lovely new five-star iTunes rating with a comment. We, we love those very much. So if you'd like to support the show, the best way you can do it besides sending us oodles and oodles of cash would be to go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Or iTunes. Give us a five-star rating there and a little comment. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, this one comes from Coats one the best. I'm a nobody who has used the Internet for about as long as the grumpy old geeks. I don't write code and I have no idea how, what the nuts and bolts of technology is about, but I do understand overview. These wise men, we're wise men, Jason. Woohoo! These wise men bring their knowledge of nuts and bolts to an overview that is well-rounded. Apps, book reviews, how do they read so many books? Um, <laughs> that's a good question, actually. Yeah. Uh, music reviews, social commentary, they are today's renaissance men. Thank you. No, thank you, T. Coates One. I, I love being called a renaissance man. It makes me want to put on some crazy old clothes and go to a Ren fair. So I thought when I saw T. Coates, I thought maybe this was Tom Coates from San Francisco because mm-hmm. uh, he's been around for a long time. Uh, I don't know. It would be cool if it was. Tom Coates is a, a luminary. But either way, T. Coates won. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. And give us a rating. Go now, please. Please. Welcome, honored guest. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Sean Bonner. Thanks for having me. Last time you were here, you uh, enlightened us about the Bitcoins. <laughs> I enlightened you to whatever I was trying to figure out about the Bitcoins. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you still a Bitcoiner at all? I mean, I, I pay attention to it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not actively mining or buying things all over the place uh, just because it's still incredibly confusing to me. And right. I think I don't have it figured out. And I, and I think I have it figured out better than a lot of people. And I, it's still very... <laughs> very tricky but um i'm paying attention and watching it and there's just there's so many alts now that's where it gets it gets really tricky so there's you know sort of the bitcoin monolith and then 50 million other crypto coins that are all sort of orbiting it um 
that yeah. are more interesting or less interesting on a daily basis. So, right, takes a I lot mean, of time. <laughs> to me, to me, the whole Bitcoin thing seems to have, have just become almost a PR ploy for companies. You know, it's it's a big deal to announce, hey, you can buy a Tesla with Bitcoins now. <laughs> I totally want to buy a Tesla with Bitcoins. <laughs> it would be cool. <laughs> so you just got back from Hope, Hope X. I did. Um, How was it? Sort of, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Um, so I, I was actually really disappointed. I've been I've been to Hope a few different times, and it's always been fantastic. I've really enjoyed the conference and always really look forward to it. Um, just the community and the the atmosphere and everything about it is is really great. And this year, you know, I was really really excited because of of the speakers that they had lined up and everything. And uh, I went there went there one day uh, on Friday to register and, and sort of scope everything out. And it was really sparse. The, the sort of table, the table floor um, was like only half full. There weren't really many booths around doing stuff. Uh, Tara and I tried to sit down for um, a lock picking class. Tara wanted to, to get a little <laughs> lock picking intro and she couldn't hear anything. And there was just tons of noise around and everything. So we left on that. So that, that was kind of weak and we didn't really see anybody. I saw Scott Beal, which was always wonderful, but didn't really get to see anybody else. And then said, okay, well, maybe this is just the first day that's weird. We'll come back tomorrow, uh, first thing, and, and then get our, get our spots and, and see you know, the, the sort of main event all day long. And we got over there uh, in pretty decent time, and the place was completely mobbed. It took forever to get up to the 18th floor, and by the time we got to the 18th floor, the entire elevator lobby was full. And they said, oh, no, the whole floor is full. Um, and the spillover rooms are full and the credenza or, you know, the other all the other little areas that they had set up were all full. So your best option now to see any of the talks is to get a laptop and go find the live stream someplace. <laughs> oh, my God. So <laughs> and, you could have uh, just stayed in L.A. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, really? I, I, I got plane tickets and a hotel and and, you know, paid paid, you know, for tickets to the conference and everything and flew everybody out here to be told I could go watch it on my laptop on a live stream. <laughs> yeah, so that's that, a fail. That was, yeah, that was a huge bummer. Um, and you know, because, because of the hackeriness of the conference and everything, it's not like you can just sort of go to the ticket counter and say, Oh, I need my money back or, you know, like it's all, it's all with <laughs> anonymous hashes and everything else. There's no way to, there's no traceability on anything. So it was sort of like, okay, well that was that. <laughs> so oh, it was, I, it was a little bit of a bummer. That sucks. Yeah, the hope that I went to was was pretty good. It was yeah. uh, it was fun. I've I mean I've been I've been to I think two two hopes previously and they've both been fantastic. I've had amazing times and they've just been wonderful across the board. And this was this was lame. And I talked to a couple other people on the Twitters afterwards who said that they got there even earlier than I did. Went in, got a got a spot in the auditorium. They were all set, and then they kicked them out and cleared the auditorium right before the keynotes and said, no, everybody out. And then everybody has to come back in afterwards. And then they couldn't get back in. So they were like, we got here several hours early to make sure that we got a spot and we couldn't get in. <laughs> so, Oh man. That's... Yeah. So there was some, there was some poor planning that, that happened on this somehow. Yeah. Poor planning and overselling. Yeah. And that's, that's the other piece is this is the 10th year that they've done that conference at that hotel in that same venue. They know exactly how many people can be managed on everything, you know? Yep. So, right. I mean, if you if you if the if all of the conference rooms, all of your spillover rooms and all of the like extra areas where you set up for people to hang out are all completely full, you know, somebody somebody did bad math. 
<laughs> and you'd think for hackers, hackers, they would uh, kind of know that part. Yeah, somebody forgot to carry a one in their uh, in their script. <laughs> yeah, after like you know paying attention to the twenty six hundred crew for this long, and actually knowing somebody that worked there, and you know, I I got to hang out with Emmanuel and those guys and went to dinner with them the last time I was there. Those guys generally don't have a clue <laughs> on what they're yeah, doing. They really yeah, it's, don't. It's yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> Yeah, for somebody that's been around this long, you'd think by now they would have just paid enough attention to get their shit together. Yeah, or brought in somebody else. You know, realized, you know, there, there's a self-awareness level where you can say, like, you know, I don't have my shit together and I'm really not the kind of person who's going to get my shit together. But I'm going to hire this person over here and they really have their shit together. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we did that with Locker Gnome. Locker Gnome, uh, like Chris Perillo used to do everything himself and then it got to the point where he's like, I can't do this. Let's hire, yeah. an, let's hire an event manager. And that's what he yeah. did. And the events go off without a hitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, I was really looking forward to it, and I was really de- disappointed. Ah, too bad. Yeah. But from, the, from, from what I saw of it online, it seemed like it was a great talk. <laughs> I saw a little bit of it. It was, it was interesting. I'm going to go back and watch it later. But yeah. some of the streams uh, I tried to access didn't have any audio. So like Bernie S. Would, gave a talk at the beginning, and there was just no audio. So I'm like, okay, well, this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, rip, your lip reading skills are not up to par for that no, one. No, not really. Bernie S. kind of he mumbles. So. <laughs> so, what have you been up to? I hear you've got some cool stuff in the in the works. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing that sort of occupied um, or occupying all of my time, and not my time, but sort of like my mental head at the moment is uh, is this art uh, opening that that we're having on on Saturday, and so. You know, in addition to my main gig, Safecast, and, and all of that other stuff, for the last two years, I've I've been working on this weird project with um with some friends. With um, I think you might know some of these people, Andrew Klein from from the hardcore band Strife, who I, I worked with for uh I've known for for a long time, but I worked with when I was at Victory and everything. Um, DJ Muggs, who uh is most famous for for Cypress Hill, but he's you know been been very active in sort of music and producing and has done tons of different records and worked with lots of different people uh and this vocalist named brevi that we've been working with so about two years ago we started talking just kind of in a conversation that you know sort of multiplied over a few days just about about sort of music discovery and how not necessarily good or bad but there used to be a time where you know, finding new music was really, really exciting because you sort of had to hunt for it. You know, yeah. you were going to the record store, digging through records, you're reading liner notes to see if, you know, a band that you liked was talking about another band and who is this band. And, you know, you relied on a handful of, of not tastemakers, but people who you knew had really, you know, good sort of sources to find new cool stuff. And, and it was really cool to be able to find something and tell your friends like, oh, I got this new thing you got to check out. You know, there was this level of excitement, which again, for better or for worse, doesn't exist anymore now because anything I tell you about right this second, you can go listen to, you know, in five seconds on 50 different services. So, you know, that it's just kind of changed. And so we're just kind of talking about that and, and thinking about how a lot of that is because there's just a clear roadmap that everybody goes down and everybody goes A, B, C, D, you know, and just follows the same thing over and over and over again and turn it around. And so yeah. we started talking about, well, how would, if, if you were going to not do that, you know, like let's say you had a music project and you you didn't want to do any of those things and, and sort of you're just jumping into the world now. Like what what could you do? And so we just started talking about a lot of different things that, that might do that and decided to sort of run with some of it. So we started this this project called Cross My Heart, Hope to Die. And um, it's equal parts 
music and physical art. So we, we've been creating physical art and putting them sort of in street installations and a couple, a couple one-off pieces for uh, group gallery shows here and there around and sending some stuff around, uh, as well as creating music. And, and some, of, some of those things are actually jammed together because we've been making music boxes that you can plug a headphone, jack, a headphone into, into a headphones jack in, on the box and hear a song and placing mm-hmm. them on the street just around the world. So for the past two years in Tokyo and New York and Vienna and London and Los Angeles, of course, uh, we've been just putting these boxes up on telephone poles and just all around the city and they don't have any information on them. So it's not like, here's this marketing thing for this EP. Like it's literally just a box with some electronics inside and you can hear a song and that's it. Um, and it's been really cool because we've actually seen, you know, we sort of put them up and stake them out and see how people interact with them. But we, we have people, we've seen people listening to it and, and pulling out their phones and Googling lyrics to try to find out what it is. We've seen people listen to it and then leave and come back 30 minutes later with 10 or, of their friends or something who all get to hear it. And so it's actually been really cool to see people interact with these weird objects. And, uh, right. so we put out, we put out an EP last year. We have a new EP getting ready to come out, but um, that's that's heavy on the music piece of it. The the art piece of it is is making its its really big debut on Saturday. So we we have a an exhibition called uh, Vita e Morte at Shepherd Ferry's uh, Subliminal Projects Gallery right here in Los Angeles, over in Echo Park near Dodger Stadium. That's full of uh, a whole bunch of imagery and sculpture. Um, uh, we've been sort of following or following up on that sort of visual conversation of like, what's the context of, of this music and why is it music? Why is it art? What's the difference between these two? And so we have photos that we printed on the wall, but the photos were manipulated in audio editors. So we pulled the raw data from photos and dumped them into, uh, you know, like audacity and then tweaked them as if they were a song, add some reverb, add some echo effects, and then dumped them back into a photo editor, which creates these really fantastic glitches all through the photos. So we printed those out really big. Um, we've made a bunch more music boxes. We made some 3d sculptures. We made, uh, an installation where we cut all of the, uh, cathode ray tubes in a bunch of old TVs and so instead of having video signals going to them, we ran speakers into them. So they basically turned all these old TVs into oscilloscopes so you can sort of watch a song. <laughs> um, I'm, so, surprised, yeah. I'm surprised you did not electrocute yourself. That's some dangerous work with CRTs. Yes. Yes, it is. So uh, that, w- that, was, that was part of my, uh, <laughs> my discussion of it ahead of time is like if I die for this project. <laughs> <laughs> then it will actually then, be worth money because you, be yeah, you can't exactly. be making any more. <laughs> The value will go up. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so we just finished the installation and all that stuff yesterday. And then on Saturday as well will be the first live performance of, of the band as a group. So we're going to show off all the art and, and then get up on stage and play some of the songs and, and we'll see how it goes. So that's been, that's been really uh, a huge focus for the last, the last month is getting all that together. But it's, it's kind of the culmination of, of things that we've been working on for the last two years. So that's been, that's been really exciting. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. very cool. And then, of course, Safecast, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Safecast is going full bore. We just hit our, our 20 million uh, data point milestone about two weeks ago. So uh, we have more open radiation data available than every other organization combined <laughs> that's publishing any of that stuff. Um, Very so cool. That's, Very that's, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw Joey's uh, TED Talk. We actually talked about that last week. Oh yeah, yeah, it was cool. He got a he got a bunch of bunch of bits and pieces into that. It's been it's been really exciting. So we're starting to to look at how to do 
uh, other environmental things with this stuff too now because we built you know we built sort of a hardware platform and a software platform and it's working very well and sort of makes you think about the stuff in your environment that you can't see but right. obviously it's around because you have all this data for it so what other things are around in the environment that you can't see that you do we have bad data for so we're looking at building some air quality sensors and maybe some better tracking of sort of weather and climate sort of stuff that you know you can find out what's going on actually at your house rather than you know just sort of a general thing for your entire city uh, so we'll see see how that goes but i think we might have some some new interesting data along those lines in the pretty near future that's cool. Yeah, the rumor is that they're going to be putting a barometer in the new iPhone, so maybe you can piggyback yeah, off ju- that. Yeah, jump off of that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that as more and more people get really interested in this stuff, these these sensors are going to start being much more ubiquitous all over the place. And and one of the big issues that that I've seen over the last three years really is just that the the sensors that are available all over the place for really cheap are crap, right? They just right. collect absolute crap data that are sort of for for entertainment purposes only. And that's that's really halted any sort of large-scale um, rollout supported by any sort of like scientific or institution or anything because the data is useless. And so anything that comes back interesting, somebody is going to have to go back and remeasure with real stuff. But as more people have been looking into it and working with it, like, you know, we're using really high-end stuff for, for SafeCast, but we're using more of it We've, we've purchased more of these sensors in the last three years than you know they had in the last 20 years, right? So as more people are doing these things and getting into it, the costs start to come down and there's more development on it everything. So I think that there's going to be more sensors available for different things that are higher quality at lower price points, which will allow things like you know nice, nice sensors to end up in phones and stuff as opposed to just, you know something cheapy <laughs> cool yeah, brian and i were actually talking about this in the the intro we were talking about uh, raspberry pies and arduinos and trying to get into the hardware hacking side of things as winter is coming and i need a hobby um, yeah sure. what what do you guys uh, build your platform on do you use any of those off the shelf like microcontrollers or do you have oh yeah all that stuff all that stuff so i mean actually for both of these projects so um with safecast we're using uh arduinos and everything all of our all of our bgeigies are are based off of arduinos across the board uh, we actually use uh, an Arduino board called the Arduino FIO, uh, F or FIO, FIO, mm-hmm. um, just because it has uh, has a couple things built into it that work really nice for for our system, and it has a little XB uh, port on top of it, so we can plug a we can plug a you know a Wi-Fi board or a Bluetooth board or you know any any a little a little extra addition on it fairly easily using using the XB setup, and then for for uh, across my heart, hope to die. We're actually using Arduino's in in the music boxes and in some of the installations for for some of the sensors that we have on stuff. So yeah, we use I use a lot of Arduino's around the way. What I've found hanging out around CrashBase and and uh, I did a residency with Tara at um, SparkFun uh, last year as well is that the Raspberry Pi is great, but it's it's very 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 specifically for video stuff. So if you're doing a project that has a need or a piece of it that is HD video or something, then the Raspberry Pi is fantastic. But if there's not a video piece of the of the project, then there's probably a different option. So right. whether it's Arduino or or the Beagle Bones or or any of those other things, there, there's probably something else that works a little bit better for it, though the Raspberry Pi gets a, a ton of press. <laughs> 
That's exactly <laughs> what I was saying earlier. It's like all you see all over the internet is all about the Raspberry Pi. And I was like, I still yeah. don't understand what you do with it. <laughs> yeah. I've got like five or six of them here in boxes that you can, you can have one and do nothing with them as well if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, they make a nice doorstop. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool thing, you know, and, and it's a great idea, right? And the, the sort of, you know, $25 for a computer is, is or whatever is a, a fantastic selling point and a great way to get people interested in them. And then when they were unavailable, that was even more interesting. So anytime they were available, I grabbed one um, and I just right. <laughs> have never had a project for them. But sooner or later, somebody will do something interesting with them. So how did you get into like working with Arduinos and hardware stuff? Because when you and I used to hang out, you were never really a hardware hacking kind of guy. So yeah, so you know, I'm, and I don't know that I necessarily am really a hardware hacking guy more than I ever was now either. Um, you know, I mean, going back to you know college, sort of stealing cable from the neighbors or something, right? That was <laughs> that, that was the extent of of you know my stuff. I would get in and you know, try to figure out how to add extra speakers to my stereo or, you know, click if I can cut a cord and attach another cord to it, I got it, you know? Um, and if I need to solder it, that's no problem. But to getting into the really, really, really complex pieces of it, a lot of that, I just rely on people around me and, and find cool people. So, you know, with, with crash base, uh, which is a hacker space that I helped start here in Los Angeles, there's an absolutely fantastic brain trust of really amazing people. So I can, I can go to that group and sort of say, Hey, I have this idea. I kind of want these, these couple pieces to go in. And then there's, you know, several people who are like, Oh, awesome. Here's this piece that I already have. That's ready to go. Or, you know, here's five minutes of, of like brain dump on something. And then I can, I can, if somebody shows me something I can, I can run with it. Um, and there's also kind of something really satisfying about doing stuff with your hands, right? So somebody does one and I can see how it works and then I can do 10 more of them. And I'm like, oh, wow, I actually, I actually built this stuff, you know? And so hanging out in the garage with soldering irons and fans and laser cutters and stuff all around. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand that. I mean, that's something that I think Jason and I have been talking about quite a bit recently, especially uh, on our podcast here, that, that, you know, we've been doing virtual stuff, just code that doesn't have any physical existence for so long now that it is really refreshing to actually build something real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I mean, all, all of you guys get this, you know, like you spend hours and hours and hours, weeks, months on a project, right? It goes live mm-hmm. as things and then maybe six months later it's gone, right? Or a yeah. year later. Like, I mean, how much stuff did we all pour blood, sweat, and tears into over the past 15 years that there's not a single trace of its existence anyplace? Yeah, you know? even Internet like, Archive doesn't have a lot of the stuff that I, I yeah. built way back in the time that I was so proud of and still am, but it's, it's yeah. just gone, you know? <laughs> and, and it's not that it was great work. It's just, you know, I mean, that's, that's what that format sort of, you know, that's a risk you take with something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, designing and and working with designers and actually like you know burning yourself on a soldering iron and putting this stuff together and then at the end like having a table full of these things that all work and do stuff that sort of go out into the world um and do things that you know continue to send data around or sort of entertain people um that's been it's been really fulfilling and really exciting to see to see it play out we've yeah. got we've got say, after after about 15 years of doing uh motion picture marketing and yeah. we'd, we'd spend a year on a website. It'd be up for three months, and then it's gone. You know, <laughs> right. the the idea of getting into like the hardware stuff that will live on. I've got a 
I, I was so surprised the other day. I found a mini DVD from Mission Impossible 2 that we made, which is like the only <laughs> physical artifact of pretty much anything I've done in that realm. So this is this right. is really fascinating stuff, and I really want to try and get into it. And um, it's pretty fun. There's a, it's a pretty low bar to, to get in and start and start messing around. So you can you know you there's lots of kits that you can get. I mean that's one of the things with with Safecast that that really sort of helped us in the past year to get things ramped up is. Um, is we we got our our main workhorse device the the Bigagi Nano into kit kit format so you can buy the kit for i think it's about $450 in parts which is it's about a $3000 device so getting it for four for $450 in parts is really great the sensor alone is it's like 150 bucks so you can get this and there's nothing trickier than three than through hole soldering so it's very simple you can build the thing in maybe 3 hours 4 hours and then mm-hmm. you have a working SafeCast device that collects data, logs it to GPS, and sends it to our server. And so we're getting all this data from all over the world that we never would have really had physical access to before from people who are you know, jumping in and building this thing. And then they get to be a part of this bigger project. So there's a lot of kits like that um, at lower price points as well that you can, you can jump in and you know, build something and then see, oh, wow, that was, that was much easier than I thought. What's, what's, what's <laughs> the next step up, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's interesting that you were saying that most of the sensors out there are crap, though. Yeah. Oh, tons of them. I mean, you know, one of the one of the most the most sort of famous crap ones uh, that got a ton of attention was the air quality egg. You know, it was a big Kickstarter thing. There was a ton of people, and um, they they made tons of them, and lots of people backed it and everything. And most of the ones that people got, they brought home turned on once and then stuck in the closet or something, or, you know, they're collecting data from, you know, in their living room where they're smoking, you know, or something, which is not useful information if you're trying to get environmental data for, you know, a city or something like that. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get the lowest possible price point on a sensor, which is, which is what those guys were trying to do, because they wanted to make as many of them as they possibly could, you're never going to beat you know, like bottom dollar China production on anything. And yeah. so make, then you just end up buying bottom dollar China production on stuff. And, you know, those, they don't work. You know, they, if you have 10 of them next to each other, I mean, so with our, with our sort of steps into looking at air quality, we went around to like the EPA and the AQMD and, and a bunch of these environmental organizations and said, you know, we're, this is what we've done with radiation. We're looking to do something similar with air quality. Can you point us in the right direction of hardware to look at? What kind of sensors should we be using? What sort of, you know, devices might we look at to collect, you know, useful data and mm-hmm. got a bunch of recommendations from these organizations. And then, you know, being nerds, we decided to test those that rather than just sort of take their word for it. And, you know, we bought five of them and set them next to each other. And then they all gave a different reading. And then we introduced a, <laughs> introduced a controlled contaminant and they all gave a different reading. We're like, wow, that is not going to be useful. <laughs> uh, quality so, control in China. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so sort of back to the drawing board on some of that. But that's, that's the thing is just that because there's not really a huge market for it, the, the driving goal in the production is make something cheap so that people will buy it rather than make something reliable, which is right. going to be more expensive. So, well, And it's so bleeding edge. I mean, this is almost one of these examples, not to get incredibly political, but this is when governments are helpful because <laughs> they can actually have the money to, like, say, you know, create these themselves and have the quality control and have really good versions. So it'd be amazing if, like, a city like Los Angeles got behind something like this and said, well, we're going to build a bunch of these things. We're going to make sure they work and we're going to put them all around the city. 
but it almost yeah, takes well, that level, you know. There's a couple of initiatives right with that right now in in mm-hmm. Chicago um, and in New York. There's both sort of small scale rollouts of of sensors that are being put around that pay attention to a handful of different things. Some of it's air, some of it's wind. I think mm-hmm. Chicago is doing um, like a noise a noise pollution one. So they're seeing like what sort of like the decibel of of background noise is at any given time during the day and how that changes. So there, there's a lot of different things that that these people are starting to to look at and roll out and i think that you know over the next over the next few years that's just going to be amplified yeah, all over yeah. the place i mean it sounds yeah. like a massive area that that is just we're going to see so much more of this so it's really cool that you're you're right there yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been it's been really interesting i mean it you know it sort of happened it sort of happened by accident um but i've been very happy to to be involved with it and really excited that we've been able to do um cool and useful things with with the project mm-hmm very cool, man. Well, thanks for stopping by. And I definitely want uh, people, because this is going to come out on Friday, so the day before your show. So if you're listening yeah. to this on Friday or Saturday morning and you're in the Los Angeles area, definitely pop out and see Sean's show. Definitely. Yeah, I, and I will be there as well. So come say hi to me. Absolutely. Cool, cool. The uh, yeah, doors open at 8 p.m. And we're, we're set to go play live around 845. Um, it's just a short set. We're just going to play a couple songs. But you know, the, the gallery will be open till 11 as well. So swing by at any point during the night. And here's here's a fun bit. If you get there early and you're a Dr. Horrible fan, right across the street and down the block is the laundromat from uh, Dr. Horrible. Yes, a short walk. <laughs> Very short walk. I went The first time I went there, we went and saw uh, your buddy Glenn's photo exhibit. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we, we trolled the, uh, the laundromat. <laughs> you can go you bring, bring your Dr. Horrible costume and you can reenact out scenes uh, right there while you're waiting. <laughs> yeah, or your Captain Hammer shirt. Yes. All right. Cool, man. Well, the links for uh, everything, Sean, will be in the show notes at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 68. And uh, thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hello, podcast fans. Adam Carolla here. I'm leading the fight against patent trolls who are threatening this medium. It's not about me. It's about the podcast you're listening to right now. If I go down, this show could be next. Visit fundanything.com forward slash patent troll For more information on how you can keep podcasting alive, thank you and mahalo. In the news. So in the continuing theme of maybe everybody is burned out on all this stuff, TechCrunch came out with a a little report about how today's app businesses are just not sustainable. According to a new report that came out uh, a couple days ago, almost half of iOS developers and even more of Android developers, they have it at 64%, are operating below the app poverty line of $500 per app per month. This is hardly surprising, right, Jason? (laughs) No, it's totally hardly surprising. (laughs) I mean – yeah. It's it, it's a big marketplace and getting getting discovered in the marketplace is hard enough and then being discovered with a good app is even harder, you know? And look at look at websites. Most websites fail, most small businesses fail. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing most apps fail. Yeah, not surprising. Everybody leapt in. There, there's too many developers, there's too many bad ideas, there's too many apps that nobody needs or wants and and there's too many bad developers. Yes, and there's and so many of those apps are so crap. <laughs> Which is why our segment was originally going to be called your app is crap. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah, so if you're if you're trying to get out there and become an app developer, uh, have a have a backup plan. 
Well, or go work for a shop that makes apps for people with money like all of us did. And we went and worked for agencies that built websites and, you yeah. know, that's how we got paid. Exactly. And, you know, put your, put your skills up on Elance like everybody else <laughs> <laughs> and, and make less than you would if you had a crappy app. But speaking of good apps, yes. uh, Flurry got bought for $300 million by Yahoo, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, Flurry does – they do mobile analytics. Are we so fans? Speaking of speaking this, uh, of the app stuff, yeah. um, yes, absolutely. Okay. Flurry Flurry's fantastic. You uh, on most of the apps that I've been uh, blessed with being a, a part of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we use Flurry for all sorts of analytics for different events. So mm-hmm. basically, you tie an event to a Flurry event, and you can see pretty much exactly what people are doing with your app. Very so cool. for Yahoo, it's for three hundred. I'm surprised it was three hundred million. I thought it would be a little bit more because they've actually got a business, I believe. Well, we, <laughs> we know money. how that works, Jason. Uh, the less the less actual business or real things that you do, the uh, the more money you get. So <laughs> right, yes. The more the more vapor, the the bigger the buyout. Yes, Sna- Snapchat was worth uh, what roughly ten times as much as Flurry, but yeah, uh, it does next to nothing. So yeah, <laughs> does Dickies? <laughs> yes, it does Dickies. We. Um, yeah, so Airbnb is in some trouble again. Shocking. Yeah, uh, and not not for their logo this time. Not for the logo this time. Uh, unfortunately, there are you know these things called laws that that most of these companies that are attempting to disrupt things don't really think about. So this is really unfortunate. Actually, uh, a San Francisco resident um, basically purchased a condo in Palm Springs because they can't afford them, the San Francisco market and helping to pay the mortgage. Uh, she decided to rent it out on Airbnb. Unfortunately, under the tenants' rights laws in California, uh, the person that uh, rented it is not leaving. Oops. Oopsies. <laughs> yeah, they need, they need an ejector seat uh, to get people <laughs> out, apparently. Yeah, there, there are some crazy squatter laws in here in California that I'm incredibly not very aware of because I'm actually a nice person that would never do that to anyone. But, uh, uh, you know, I could have basically just stayed in my old place and not left and just not paid rent for an awful long time. It can take up to three to six months to evict tenants who aren't paying rent. And uh, now Airbnb is involved with these things because you use their service, you go through them. There you go. Yeah, it usually takes about six months, I remember, in Los Angeles before the sheriffs uh, show up and basically throw all your stuff on the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> so, But that's you know six months free rent, and if you're a really horrible person, you can get away with it. Yeah, pretty much. So be careful when you do your Airbnb stuff. It's just uh, more and more of these stories are going to start to come out. It's You can only skirt these kind of issues for so long, and then, you know, then you've got to deal with it. I mean, Uber is going to have its own things that they're dealing with and, you know, various different transportation laws in different cities and different countries. Uh, you, you got to play with the laws, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, now let's talk about some good disruption. There's a, there is such a thing? There is such a thing because this is an old school business uh, realizing that they uh, can break a monopoly. I, I love this. This is a story from uh, – an from Chattanooga, Tennessee. You don't really think of Chattanooga as being on the bleeding edge of, of uh, technology, but uh, apparently their public uh, utilities there are because they realize that they've upgraded their grid recently and they realize that, hey, we can easily provide uh, our customers with internet connections as well so they don't have to use Comcast. And yeah, they've so got they've, lines. Yeah, they've yeah. got lines going into every home. They've got lines so. going into every home that can just as easily carry bits and bytes as they can electricity and whatever else. So uh, they're now offering it as a viable alternative to uh, using Comcast there. And That's I want to see this everywhere. Yeah, and and now that you know this is a good test case, and if it works out, then 
you know, hopefully every uh, electricity provider. I mean, then you're still dealing with the utilities, but mm-hmm. hey, it's it's competition. It's competition, you know? and there there are right now, you know, they're offering it for less than Comcast is in the area, and and apparently the connections are even better. So Excellent. That is good stuff. <laughs> we like that. Yeah, if I got a better connection than I have with my Comcast now, I'd be I'd be down. But my my Comcast connection is so off the hook, it's ridiculous. Yeah, well, they keep, you- they keep updating, upgrading me. Like this is what I said before. This is like you know the drug dealer thing. They keep giving it to us faster and faster for cheaper and cheaper, and then one day they'll be like, "And uh, let's just revise this a bit. Where every bit is going to cost you a dollar." You know, <laughs> once you get hooked, then you're then you're screwed. Exactly. That, that is the way it happens. But not if there's competition. If they have somebody else that's competing against them, that's saying, "Well, we're going to keep offering it at the same price." Bob's your uncle. Yep, that's a good thing. Yes, it is. Go Tennessee. There's been a lot in the news recently. Um, I I just found one because uh, this particular article went semi viral and it's just so ridiculous. It's funny. Uh, A pregnant woman, a 27 year old pregnant woman, was arrested because she posted a selfie on Facebook wearing a stolen dress. The selfie said how much she loved her dress. Uh, They matched it, uh, the store matched it to footage of her basically walking out of the store with it without paying. And then the police came to her house and arrested her uh again you know come on people i just filed this one under instant karma (laughs) instant karma i mean i'm glad you know this is this is a good thing if you think for a second that uh, law enforcement isn't checking out social media you're a moron and uh you know you know just well uh, this this wasn't law enforcement this was the store actively tracking her down even better so you know, that's, this is this is vigilante social media, yeah. as it were. And then they, they send it to the law enforcement. Law enforcement's like, oh, yeah, look, oh, yeah. she did steal it. it okay. We'll go, we'll go bust her. We'll so, get her. grumpy old geek pro tip, if you steal something, do not post photos of you on social media with said stolen items. Now, didn't Lindsay Lohan do this, too? Pretty much. And it's happening <laughs> you know? a lot. I mean, uh, you're, this is just happening more and more. Like I said, I mean, I've heard about it, like, just kind of in the background with news stories. And, you know, it's the tagline that every news reporter says now is, you know, uh, Authorities are looking at social media, attempting to find some information about the case because uh, criminals are just stupid. Well, and and from the old engineering axiom, you can't engineer around stupid. (laughs) No, you cannot. Uh, And in good use of social media, at least as far as I'm concerned, Israeli women are showing support for the IDF by showing their boobs. Nobody knows why this has caught on, but uh, apparently all over Facebook and Instagram, Israeli women are putting I heart the IDF on various body parts and posting it. Vive la revolution. <laughs> this is uh, this is a throwback to the old booby thon that yeah. we used to run for uh, breast cancer. Yeah, I mean, so. you know, it, it's as a guy, it's enjoyable. It certainly catches the attention. And uh, yes. hey, why not? I'm just you know, as long as it doesn't expand to guys, nobody nobody <laughs> okay. wants to see that. Yeah, they, that that was a problem with the booby thon because guys would post their their boobies, which was unsavory. Yeah, the bad boobies. What are you going to do? Hey, man, boobs. And no banana dictators. Security. Ha. We all know about cookies, right? They're cookies, delicious. They are delicious. Uh, oh, and if you listen to the You're Not So Smart podcast, he has a great cookie segment. <laughs> uh, but this is different. Uh, cookies are for tracking and yeah. other things for saving state in your browser and blah, blah, blah. We all know about cookies. Mm-hmm. Now – a new service has come up with a new way to track online identity and devices that is just genius. It, it uses the new Canvas uh, CSS uh, basically feature yeah. 
to profile you. And I've, I've heard about this from other other like malware uh, people. They, they profile the fonts on your system, clock speed, and all of these different metrics to fingerprint you. Yeah. Well, so it's not just surprising. Ins- Any computer, especially has been running for a long time and you've, you've tweaked it and done whatever, you got your own basic fingerprint, basically. Yeah, everything's custom because you, you're going to have different fonts than somebody else. You know, it, there, there are certain metrics that you can glean the identity of a machine from. Mm-hmm. And what these guys have done is basically inserted a small CSS canvas tag, probably through JavaScript, that mm-hmm. you know then can get the data from your machine and then track you from site to site like you used to do with cookies. And it's a way to get around the cookie tracking. Yeah, and basically, I mean, if, if you, it basically means even if you go to that uh, browse privately option that almost all the browsers have now, it won't matter. Yeah, the do not track stuff. And, yeah, all of that uh, will go away. It, this is just cool. I like it. You know. <laughs> I'm a fan of people doing cool things with technology. I and because I never had a problem with cookies, I I don't think most people should have a problem with cookies. It's it is de facto standard that they're there. Yeah. We need them. We can't get around them. Nope. So for now, until they come up with a new new way to do it, people are going to because you know we've got the the cookie mania with people like oh, I don't want cookies. Um, well, you're an idiot. But this is just a cool hack. I think it's just a cool hack. And like I said, malware malware designers have been using this for years to in their botnets. And it's just a, it's a new implementation of that. So just get used to the fact that if you're online you're going to get tracked somehow. There's all they're always going to find a way to to fingerprint your machine so they know who you are bouncing from site to site. Yeah. I agree. So <laughs> In other news, <laughs> Uh, Mr. Snowden has been uh, in the news a bit because of his uh, Guardian interview, mm-hmm. which was a really good interview. It's not very long, but uh, it's worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. And in that interview, he talks about Dropbox specifically as a you know as an NSA target. And yeah. now with Condi Rice on the board, you're just <laughs> get get you know used to the fact that if you put it on Dropbox, anybody in the government can look at it with very little effort. I'm sure. And he recommended Spider Oak, which I'd never heard of. Neither had I. Is, so I looked into it and I signed up for an account. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much the same. But they've, it's, you know, it's got they've got no introspection on what you post because everything is end to end encrypted, right? Yeah. So they can't peek at it. Problem is now, a lot of people saw that Snowden interview, uh-huh. <laughs> and Spider Oak is having a little bit of an issue right now. So they've got the highest rate of signups in their history. So their server load is off the charts and uh, their customer service is way behind. So give it a bit before you give them a shot. You know, that's all I'm saying. There's also something out there called LiveDrive that a few of my friends who are saying that they use. I'm not, I, you know, who knows what their security is exactly because I haven't taken a look at it or vetted it. But it definitely doesn't have Condi Rice on the board. No. And uh, what was, uh, what's his name? Um Kim.com's got one, too. I wouldn't use anything that he makes personally, but that's just a preference. That's like not buying Nike because I don't agree with some of their policies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a, a moral thing for you. Yeah. I just – I don't use it because he's such a target. Right? I mean, yeah. with, after the mega upload stuff, he's such a target that he's got such a – you know, he's got a bullseye on anything that he does. So they could just sweep in again like they did with mega upload, confiscate the servers and, and wipe them. Everything's gone. Yep. Yep. Uh, this morning, I found a really cool uh, article on QZ.com called uh, This is How You Invent a Person Online. <laughs> I loved this article. It was really fun. It's yeah. a really fun article, and he used the dark web to get <laughs> like fake IDs and social mm-hmm. securities 
uh, numbers and all this shit. It was really cool and, you know, cash for Bitcoin and he did a stealth buy of a Chromebook. Very fun. I thought it could go farther, but he kind of gave up near the end of the article. It, I, it seems like he started the process and then just kind of said, ah, okay, I'm done. Whatever. He might have gotten a little freaked out, too. You can never really tell about that. But uh, it was a great article. And if anything, this guy should turn around and just write a sci-fi book about this because this is you know 90% of stories anyways. So he's got a great book in here as well as being a cool article. Yeah, I think maybe he was just running up against a deadline and just had to get <laughs> his article into the editor. So. That's about it for this week in security. No major data breaches I know. That, I, that I've found. Me either. Or at least none that have been published. I'm sure there were some. We'll find out later. But yeah, it was a pretty nice, quiet week in security. At the library. We've been reading a lot of Daniel H. Wilson the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we did Robogenesis and uh, the follow-up. and uh, You weren't too huge of a fan, but uh, I, I still like them both. I went back and found one of his earlier books called Amped, uh, which is, he's comes kind of, kind of a neuro-robotic background, uh, which makes sense because this whole book is, is you know, the, kind of the first part of the, you know, inserting technology into humans. It was a decent book. Again, I really like his concepts, um, but back at that point, this is, this is pre-Robogenesis. Uh, it wasn't greatly written um he's definitely gotten much better I, I wouldn't actually recommend this book i would recommend a book with the same subject and same title which i think i covered a long time ago on this on this podcast but i, I just want to pimp it again uh also called amped uh this one's by douglas e richards it's actually the follow-up the first one is called wired by douglas e richards both of them uh really talk about basically putting uh, putting tech into our bodies and into our brains. Um, Wired and Amped by Douglas E. Richards were fantastic. I really loved both those books and I uh, can't recommend them enough. They were written really well. They were super like near future, plausible. They also had a bit of a kind of rock and roll edge to it because, uh, you know, the first people that hopped onto this technology were a bunch of like crypto anarchist ravers that threw big parties. So good stuff. And and they did Mondo 2000 back in the day. Yes. <laughs> I miss uh, that magazine. I heard they might be bringing it back. I <laughs> love that magazine as well. That was, that was a fantastic magazine. It would be nice to have it come back. Uh, and I finished a completely new book this week. Um, uh, I don't know why I keep reading these because they're just getting horrible. Earth Awakens, The First Formic War by Orson Scott Card and Aaron Johnson. Orson Scott Card doesn't even bother to try to write these um, alone anymore. Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. The movie was crap. Uh, the book is simply one of the best books that's ever been written, and I will never say anything bad about it. If you have not read Ender's Game, you need to do so. It is amazing. It is perfect. That entire first series that he wrote about Ender, all five of those, four of those books, because he went back and did a fourth one. There used to only be three. Uh, were all really good in completely different ways. Fantastic sci-fi, very well written. He has since done basically a cottage career on shitting out books about this universe that suck. This is one of them. That's yeah, the end of my review. I read the whole damn thing because I'm hooked. I think it's kind of like the people that are still watching True Blood that know it's really shitty, but they just they, they want to see it through to the end. He keeps writing books about this universe. I keep reading them. I keep being really angry by the time I finish them. These should have been made into movies because they're kind of straightforward action adventure. There's no there's no great thought process behind it. There's no big ideas. There's no nothing. It's just they attack, we fight them. 
Yeah, I can't. I can't read Orson Scott Card at all. You know, he's he, besides he's just a moron. He is a moron, um, and there's all that. But uh, again, yeah, like and I I read one of his books about you know the dead kids under the thing, whatever. It was a it was a terrible book. <laughs> the only other good book that he's written, I think, was called Empire. Mm-hmm. Was that the one you turned me on to it? That was a great book. Yeah, that one was actually that was a standalone that was really good as well. So he, you know, his older stuff before he went super crazy and you know decided to hate anybody that isn't white and and whatever uh, were all pretty good, uh, especially Ender's Game. Again, Ender's Game is so good. I have put myself through about seven really shitty books just because I love that one book so much. Okay, well, time time to just back off and not not give this guy any more money. Yeah, I think so. I think it's because if you keep buying them, he'll keep writing them. So stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I vote, did find, vote with your credit card. Vote, vote with, your, with credit your credit card. card. I agree. Uh, I did find an interesting article on Salon related to Robogenesis, uh, the future of warfare and why should, we should all be very afraid. It's a fun little read about uh, armies of robots, which is exactly what the book was about. So, and how it, we're kind of getting there very quickly. Oh, they're coming. They're actually, they're already here. Samsung yeah. makes them. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, there are places where you don't want to go because you will just be shot by a robot. Yeah. Uh, not uh, – yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, let's leave it uh, there. I did finish Robogenesis and it was meh. You know, I went back on your recommendation and finished it and I just – it just did not hold my attention. I was kind of done with it. So okay. the, first book, the first book I thought was great. The second book did not do anything for me. Okay. I, I still liked it and I'm interested to see where he goes with it. So we, we shall see. So I've got a couple of books this week that I got through that uh, every now and again I like to go read books that are on the other side of the coin. Like you know, like I read hacker books, and mm-hmm. every now and again I'll go back and read books by people who work in the government and do fun stuff. You know, so I I have kind of a balanced view on what these guys do. And I read two fascinating books this week. One is called uh, Operation Shakespeare: The True Story of an Elite International Sting, which is um, these guys from Homeland Security. It, it kind of a mishmash of uh, agencies because they all got kind of bundled together. Yeah. And it, it is a great story about basically tracking illegal arms sales from U.S. companies to Iran and other places. But it, it focuses on this one sting operation where they got this guy who was you know, one of many importers of illegal technology that we're not allowed to export. But U.S. companies you know, want the money, so they find ways around it and sell to you – know, Hostile governments. Fascinating <laughs> book. I loved it. Uh, the second one is The Art of Intelligence, Lessons from a Life in the CIA's Clandestine Service by Hank Crumpton. This book is cool. Okay. You know, This is a really cool book. This guy is no joke. <laughs> Seriously. And it, it details his career like through the beginning of – well, actually, he, it starts before 9-11 when he was in, in clandestine services and like his, his start in coming up through the ranks and – uh, going through after post 9-11 through Afghanistan. And you get to hear some of the cool stories about the guys that were on the front lines, like the CIA infiltration teams and what like actually happened over there. Yeah. And, you know, this is the kind of book that gives me faith in, you know, our some of our government services because these are the guys who like really care. Yeah. And are really doing their jobs. Not, you know, not the the nerd in the NSA basement looking at your your dickies and all that stuff. <laughs> these guys are like no joke. They're putting their life on the line. And you know, there's lots of people and friends that he lost in the war. Fascinating book. I cannot recommend it. Uh, both of these, I can't recommend enough. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, d- was- I think I might have to check out the Hank Crumpton one just because I like his name. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a cool dude. Um, you can check out some of his stuff on YouTube because he was on 60 Minutes. 
uh, when the book came out and he did a couple interviews and he, he took them over to Afghanistan on another show. He's a cool guy. Check out his, check out the stuff on YouTube uh, with him from 60 minutes. It's fun. And I think I will. So I found an article on vulture.com, which, which caught my eye for a couple of reasons. First off, it's the title. This is the best four five thousand four hundred and fifty three word interview. That that's a lot of words. It is. Um, Bronson Pinchot, Pinochet, Pinchot. I don't, Pinchot. I, I don't even remember how to pronounce his name, but he was Balky. I didn't even know he was still around. Uh, and apparently, all he he is like one of the premier audiobook uh, reader guys that that's out there. And I know you're a huge audiobook fan, so I, I threw that uh, interview in the show notes and wondered what you thought about it. Well, if you, you obviously forgot that I had talked about this on a previous show because I, I pimped uh, Iceman, the true story of a cold-blooded killer, mm-hmm. when, I, when I read that before, and he was the reader on it. And I, I looked at it, and I'm like, it's Bronson Pinchot? And I went back and checked it, and it, it, was, it was him. <laughs> and I was like, wow, he's good. He's right. really, really good. And then I went and read the interview that you posted, and the interview was really good. I, I thought the interview was cool as well. It was really interesting to to get so deep into something that that particular you know job, basically. <laughs> yeah, and and just the care that he takes with the craft. You know, he's a master craftsman when it comes to reading these audiobooks. and just his thought process and just his articulation on how he gets into the book and the character, and just the reverence that he gives the books. Even if it's a terrible book, he's got ways that he's figured out to make the book sound better, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, his books are – I've only read the one or listened to the one and it was a really good job. And the book was pretty good too. But his job in the book was fascinating. I, I can't recommend him enough. So if you're an Audible fan, check out some of his reads for sure. Software, apps, and gadgets. I'm a git guy. Yes, you I, are. I used to be CVS, then I was Subversion, and now I'm Git. And if you don't know what those acronyms or those <laughs> those three letter uh, things mean, this probably You're lucky. You, can, you can you can fast forward real quick. Yeah, it's all version <laughs> control for software and other things. Uh, my favorite uh, Git tool for the Mac has just gotten a big refresh, and it's uh, Tower Two. Mm-hmm. And they've added a ton of stuff in there, and it's a really nice update. I paid for it and have been using it and love it. So if you have to use Git, Tower 2 is my go-to, hands down. And I've been using the original version of Tower for one particular project, um, and it is great. And I guess I should do the update. Yeah, I recommend it. They've got some cool features in there that, uh, that you'll like for sure. We'll put a video of the updates in the show notes as well. But definitely check it out. If you have to use Git, use this for sure. Oops. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> So I got an update. I, I talked about Game of War last week. Yes. My new uh, iOS uh, iPad obsession. Well, it's got kind of a nasty cliff when you get to around level 11 or 12 that starts to take up a lot more time unless you're willing to spend a lot of bucks. <laughs> and by a lot of bucks, I mean like you can drop 100 bucks and, and not blink an eye at it. And it, the, the stuff that you get is really not that great. So – I've been just – I spend time. I just like check it every now and again, let my builds go, see if anybody attacked me. But there's some, there's some really interesting things with this game that I'm, I'm, I'm liking a lot. I've actually made some new friends on there. We've got a new alliance. So if you, if you do play Game of War, check out Five Kings. That's us. You can come join us. <laughs> um, it's fun. I love the game. Okay. So it, it does take a lot of time. But, you know, there's, there's just some interesting things I found out about this game where these big alliances will create little splinter alliances for newbies that come in, mm-hmm. don't tell them anything, 
And those guys are basically there. They're like if vampires had a daycare. <laughs> so they, they raise these little guys up. And then when there's a uh, – basically in a, they have events in the game where you get points and extra stuff for killing a lot of other people. They basically just go raid them and wipe them off the map. And then <laughs> – so it, it's just these weird little quirks about the game. There are some gameplay issues with it that just drive me nuts because like any, any high-level – uh, city can kill a very tiny level city. There's no like boundaries between who can attack who. Right. But otherwise, I'm still I'm still hooked on it. I I can't give it up for some reason. I just love it. <laughs> I know you're never going to play it, and nope. most people won't. <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> anyway, it's it's you know it, it kills hey, some time. No, it's good. You know, it's good that we have one gamer on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> so uh, this just came out too. Uh, the cast of Firefly is reuniting for an online game. That does not make me happy. I, Why not? I, want, I want another movie. I don't want a game because I'm never going to play the game. Yeah, I know, but you know, you can get the voices or whatever. <laughs> I'm probably not going to play the game either. I, I just saw the the headline and I didn't have any time to really dig into it, but it's something. I mean, hey, man, if it picks up, maybe they'll. The problem is Universal still has rights to those movies. They have to do two more movies before the TV rights will be released back to Joss Whedon. And I, he's busy making a gazillion dollars on the Avengers and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty low on his priority yeah, and every, and yeah, let's be honest. It's just never going to happen. Not in our lifetime, unfortunately. No. Media candy. During the world cup, I talked about uh, slate's uh, blog, the spot, which was all about soccer and had some great reads about everything that was going on in what is probably going to be the final entry on that blog, at least for quite some time, how to follow soccer now that the World Cup is over. If you got the bug at all, read this article. Uh, it talks about all the different international leagues that are out there, um, the different international plays that are coming up and conferences and whatnot and attempts to get you interested in MLS, which really... I just can't do it. I, I watched the Galaxy play against Manchester United and lose 7 to nothing because they were pathetic. So, yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, one good game that will be coming up that I that if you were at all into soccer, uh, I think you should watch. I think it's, it's in late August. It's the MLS All-Stars will be playing against Bayern Munich, which is basically the back the backbone of the entire German national team. So that should be a fun game to watch, and I will be watching that one as well. Okay, cool. No more yeah. soccer. No we're more done soccer. for four years. We're, we're done for four <laughs> years. Um, we talked a little bit about Led Zeppelin and how neither of us were into it a while back. Uh, you sent me a lovely Spotify link to an album called uh, Mothership Remastered, which I did listen to, and uh, I've got two thoughts on it. Uh, first, it's nice to hear some straight-up rock and roll, which basically doesn't exist anymore, and I've been in kind of electronica land for, for years, so hearing just like balls-of-the-wall rock was pretty nice. And uh, thought number two, they wouldn't be signed in a million years if they started now. Okay, now, <laughs> rock still exists. There are tons of great rock bands out there. You just have had your head up your EDM ass for so long, you haven't poked around to find anything. Okay. Uh, I mean, hell, the Foo Fighters, uh, Jack White. Foo Fighters. Oh, Jesus uh, I like them. I don't mind them. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Who else? Uh, even Muse is kind of pretty rocky. Muse is pretty you know, electronic-y, too. Be, well, so was uh, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> listen listen to the, the keyboards in there. Yeah. Um, and they would totally get signed. I'm no, sorry. No, they wouldn't. They would. No, if they wouldn't. Jack White's out there making music, and his stuff sounds almost identical. So, no, they would get signed. All right. Totally. I'll agree to disagree. <laughs> and uh, this popped up on Boing Boing. Uh, do you remember Schwa? Not really, no. Uh, it was the funky little alien stuff, and, and I got really into it uh, at the time, so much so to the point. That, you know when you start 
having stuff and then people just keep giving it to you and then everybody thinks it's your thing. So it just builds and builds and builds and you kind of liked it, but you never liked it that much. But that's all people ever get you anymore. Yeah. That happened to me with schwa. Like I, I, I was into it and then all of a sudden that's all I got as presents from people and I was soon inundated and buried in schwa stuff, so I eventually had to get rid of it all. But uh, it's 20 years old. It's been two decades since this stuff. And if you've never knew what it was, it's it's this guy, William Barker, basically did this as kind of like a protesty surveillance state art thing. And it was really cool and really interesting. And uh, it's great to hear that he's still out there and uh, that schwa's still getting some attention. Good stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my, wasn't my thing. So I want to do a quick Orphan Black follow-up. I can't remember if I mentioned it before, but I got into this a couple weeks ago, and I watched like an episode and a half, and it didn't really – it was interesting, but it didn't really hook me. And then Jordan Cooper uh, got into it, and he's like, no, dude, you got to keep watching it. So I I got five minutes past where I was, and then everything picked up, and I couldn't stop watching it for three days. I watched 20 episodes in three days. (laughs) it was really good. It was it was fantastic. The the actress who plays the main character, well plays many main characters, is phenomenal. The only downside was the story got a little bit hokey near the end of season two, but uh, yeah. I loved it, man. It was it, it was a it was a good ride, definitely. And it, I really liked that at the end of every episode, the beginning of the next episode picks up exactly where the last one left off. I love when they do that. All of twenty four, you know. Right. It's uh, it's definitely a good. Good series to uh, catch if you like sci-fi. Moron of the Week. Our Moron of the Week is Blake Lively. If you haven't had the pleasure of going and looking at her new lifestyle site, a la Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop, except for younger girls, I suppose, and a slightly lower price point, uh, go to preserve.us, which is... uh, Already an annoying name, but uh, Sound, that sounds very like Jesus freaky. It, yeah, it, it does a little bit, but it, it's not Jesus freaky as far as I can tell. But uh, go ahead and go to the site, and uh, I promise you, you'll want to vomit in about three to four minutes. Uh, this is horrible. This is a horrible, horrible, horrible concept. This is a horrible. I, I, I basically just said, that, let's shut the entire internet down to stop these things from happening. And it's like I agree epi- with it. It's kind of like the epicac of the the internet. <laughs> exactly. This is just bad and horrible and i uh, blake lively i can't stand you right now i don't even know who you are anyways you were on some tv show i never gave a shit about that's what i'm like who the (laughs) hell is this chick i I thought when i see blake lively i thought it was like a basketball player (laughs) i think that's blake griffin yeah let's get on let's let's talk to his team about doing a lifestyle site the web's not dead Ran across a link. Pirates of the Caribbean 5 gets summer 2017 release date. Uh, this just shocked me a little bit because I didn't even know there was a 2, 3, and 4. This 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 is based on a ride at Disneyland. How could you not know that there was a 2, 3, and a 4? I mean, honestly, how can you not know well, that? Well, I, I mean, I believe I was peripherally aware, but I never saw them. Uh, nobody's talked to me about them. Nobody said, hey, man, did you go see Pirates of the Caribbean 4? It was awesome. That just didn't happen in my life. <laughs> That's because it was not awesome. The only good thing about one of the sequels is Chow Yun-Fat played a bad guy. So, <laughs> Okay. Anyway, the, the reason that, that I ended up sticking that in here is because of the second article, um, which is the main point of The Web's Not Dead. I, I love the fact that things from, from my youth way back in like 84, like old VHS movies that were shot – 
end up on the internet. Uh, this is high schoolers ponder the meaning of fashion in 1984. I was uh, 11 at that point in time, but I was big on eight on the late 80s fashion. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean reminded me of that because I hung out at Disneyland where there was just a ride that somehow has now become five movies. Uh, this is a funny ass video about uh, just kids in, in the 80s talking about fashion and uh, displaying some epic 1980s fashion. <laughs> I just loved every second of this and I love the fact that this stuff pops up all the time. So yay, web. Yeah, the video was very funny and I it was <laughs> It kind of gave me hives because they were talking about how the jocks would make fun of them and throw things at them, and I'm like, "Well, that was my that was my high school well, existence." When I, I know, <laughs> yeah, because I was th- I was 13 when this came out, so I was just getting into skateboarding and yeah. definitely not what you would call a fashion maven. I yeah. was I was wearing parachute pants and an Aussie T-shirt, and it was a mess. I was a, I was all over the place. So yes, people often made fun of me and yeah. watching this it was it was kind of like a really nasty flashback <laughs> very funny i, I, I very enjoyed funny. it i enjoyed the hell out of this video so if you're approximately our age and enjoyed that kind of high school experience as well you will enjoy this video good stuff absolutely are you kidding me the dot over an eye is called a tittle i can't believe you didn't know this <laughs> I'm sure it caused me to laugh back in the aforementioned 80s many times, but somehow it's it's left my mind for the past 20 years, and it just makes me laugh every time I say it. Tittle. 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 Yo. Closing shout-outs. Uh, Shout-out to Sean Bonner for coming on the show, and uh, check out his show tomorrow night. That is Saturday the 26th. I am hoping to be there as well, uh, so... Say hi to me if you see me. Um, on the music tip, I'm going to pimp my vinyl collection again. It's been selling well, um, and I have a lot of great vinyl I'd like to see to go to a good home because uh, I just will never play it. I've, I've accepted the fact that I've, as much as I loved all this vinyl and collected it for years, it is just taking up space for me. So check me out on discogs.com slash slenderfungus. Uh, I'm all up there, and there's a lot of good stuff left, but it's, it's going quick, thankfully. Well, that would be discogs.com slash seller slash slender fungus oh, if yeah, you really want up. people to actually show up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just want to do uh, – since we're on the music thing, I want to give mm-hmm. a shout-out to Weird Al. He finally got his number one album. I know. Number one album, which is amazing. So good, good on you, Al. Yeah, he's probably sold like 50 copies because that's all it takes to get to number one anymore. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, number one is, doesn't mean quite as much as it used to. But uh, even his streaming, uh, streaming stats are extremely high. So good on you, Al. It's about time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Music for this show is provided by Among Us who is uh, helmed by our good friend Brian, Yo. who is also, yes, yoing. <laughs> and we are hosted at Libsyn. If you want to, use the coupon code GOG while signing up and receive up to two free months. Good deal. Keep up with us at GrumpyOldGeeks.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GrumpyOldGeeks, on Twitter, we're at Twitter.com slash GOGpodcast, or simply email us at podcast at GrumpyOldGeeks.com to tell us anything we were wrong about or just to say hi. Show notes for this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 68. See you next week. Tittle. Okay, last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer. We're driving to Florida.